Morning, Riverside. I will not be dancing this morning, unfortunately. Um, and no, Steve didn't get a tan. My name is Sizwe. And... <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I get to intern here at Riverside, and this is my third year interning. And this morning, I have the beautiful privilege of serving you as we go through God's Word together. So I hope you guys are ready and excited as I am. And as you know... As a church, we've been going through a series talking about sowing seeds, right? We've been talking about sowing seeds this year. And the, the, the purpose behind this is that we don't know what 2023 holds for us. We don't know what the year ahead is going to be like. But we can be intentional about sowing seeds now so that we can reap those rewards as they begin to take root and bear good fruit in our lives. So we, being intentional about sowing those seeds now so we can enjoy those fruits later. And we know that seed has life potential. Could we say that together? Could we say life potential? Awesome. I'm going to be talking to you guys. You guys are going to talk back to me. I'm not going to do this alone. Is that okay? Awesome. So we know that seeds have life potential. And this morning, we're going to be discovering the seed that has peace potential. And what that means is, I don't know if you guys know, but man, there's been this war going on, right, between in Ukraine and with Russia, and there's so much unrest in our world today. I mean, there's innocent kids dying, there's women and children dying, there's people displaced from their homes, and there's just been so much unrest, and the global impact that that war has had on everyone, right? And the global impact that we, we even feeling here down in South Africa, and we're just seeing this polarization throughout the world, people choosing different camps and fighting against each other. And we see in our own country that there's, there's also some unrest between us. There's unrest and there's, there's no consistency in our own country. We, we experience things like ESCOM, right? And the, in, like the, the pain of that and the, how, just how inconvenient that all is and the cost that that has on us as a country. And we're feeling all of these things even financially. And the strain that some of our relationships sometimes take. And the lockdown, right? We're still experiencing some of those, some of those like, hiccups because of lockdown, right? Being locked down in, with your family for, for a while. Some of your family members are crazy. And we're still healing from some of those things, right? And so, man, as difficult as that is, and as we're experiencing this, this relational strain sometimes, even between our own family members, with sisters, with brothers, with, with colleagues, at work and with our friends. Man, who wouldn't want peace this year? Who wouldn't want to sow seeds of peace? And so Steve last week spoke about um, sowing seeds in someone's life. And as I said, this year, uh, right now this morning, we'll be talking about um, the seed potential, uh, the peace that the seed has. And as I was preparing for, 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 the, for this morning, I came across this story. It was really interesting. And if you guys have ever had an annoying neighbor, you'd really relate to this. So this, this man, I feel like he lives in Alberton. I don't know why. But there was this man, he, he had this neighbor who had an annoying dog. And this dog would be barking from 7 p.m. all the way to 5 a.m. in the morning. And I mean, nonstop, this dog would be barking. And... The neighbors actually worked uh, night shift. So that means the dog would be out during the night and in during the day. And 
um, when they came back after this long night of barking, this man went to the neighbor's house. He knocked on their door and he said, hey man, could you just do something about this dog, please? Could you just help me? Like, this dog is making a huge noise and I don't know what to do. It's, I can't sleep. Would you please do something? And the neighbor rudely responds. He's like, man, it's, it's a dog. What do you expect? And he shuts the door. The man runs home quickly and he's upset. He's angry. He's thinking of a plan. And what he decides to do This evening when the dog barks at 7 p.m. on the dot, he records the dog. He records the dog barking all through the night from 7 p.m. all the way to 7 a.m. This dog is barking and he's recording it. Like clockwork, the neighbors come back the next morning, take the dog into the house. And as as the man thinks, okay, I think they're asleep now. What he starts to do is set up his speakers. He sets up his speakers, points it towards um, the neighbor's house. And when he thinks they're asleep, he presses play. And this barking just rings all throughout the neighborhood. And very soon, these same neighbors come back and they knock. They say, hey man, your dog is making a huge noise. Could you just please do something about your dog? The man responds, first of all, it's your dog that I've recorded. And second of all, dogs, right? What do you expect? And so it's, it's safe enough to say that this dog never bothered anyone again. But it seems crazy, right? This man would would spend the whole evening recording a dog barking. It seems so petty, right? It seems so unnecessary. But it's exactly what we tend to do sometimes, right? When we've had those heated conversations and then in our heads that night, what do we do? We have those imaginary arguments, right? When he says this, I'm going to say this. And when she responds this way, this is my, this is my rebuttal. When we play the scenario over and over again and we mull over the pain and we, we mull over the hurt of it all the whole night, And man, this morning, we're going to learn what it means to to move away from that revengeful way of of doing relationship, move away from that way of doing life and relationship by sowing seeds of peace. So if you can, turn with me to James 3 verse 18. And if you don't have your Bibles with you, it is available on the screen behind me. And if you're there and ready, could you say, I'm ready? Okay. Okay. Let's go. So James says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So James here, he's laying the foundation and he's turning the soil and he's encouraging us. He's saying, guys, you're going to need to sow seeds of peace this year because you're going to enjoy, if you sow seeds of peace, enjoy these, these relationships, these healthy and wholesome relationships. So, and as he's just writing it, it's as if he knew, right? It's as if he knew, like in 2023, Riverside's going to be sowing some seeds. So let me write something to encourage them. So just picture him with passion, just writing this, ink in hand and paper that he's writing, saying, peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. And it would be so wise for us this year to sow seeds of peace. It would be so wise for us this year to be intentional with our relationships. And Matthew Henry puts it this way. He says, wisdom produces meekness and meekness increases wisdom. And what this means is it's going to take wisdom for you to be meek enough to sow seeds of peace. Right? And often we, we confuse meekness with, with weakness. And that's not true. It actually takes strength to be meek. It takes strength to be meek. And for us to sow seeds of peace this year, it's going to require meekness. It's going to require us to be, 
to be humble enough to sow these seeds. And the one pastor puts it this way, it takes two to tango, but it takes one to pursue peace, right? So imagine this, in this fight, it doesn't take, it takes two of you to be in an argument, otherwise if you're arguing with yourself, something's not okay. It takes two of you to argue, but it only takes one of you to pursue peace. And James says something very important here. He's, he's, he's opening word in that verse. He says, peacemakers who sow in peace. And what this means is, in order for you to change what you do, you're going to have to change how you see you. Right? You're going to have to change the perspective of you to be this peacemaker. And as a child um, growing up, I have an older sister. She's amazing. And as a, as a child growing up, my older sister got straight A's, right? She got straight A's. She worked hard. She was, she was awesome. But she was also responsible. She was very, very responsible, right? Like my mom always reminds me, like, your sister still has her scissors from grade two. And my sister's turning 30, and my mom constantly reminds me. And that's how responsible and, like, such a good person my sister was. And coming after her, being the, the little brother who's average at best, I felt like, man, school was not for me. That's what I felt like, man, school was not for me, right? I thought, okay, maybe sports is for me. That's my thing. That's what I'm good at. And, and music, music's for me. That's what I'm good at. But school, school's not my thing. And what I believed about myself impacted my efforts. It impacted what I did. So because I didn't believe school was for me, when I did average, average was okay, and my effort was average. But man, when it came to soccer, I mean, at my high school, we had morning training from six to seven before school. I'd be there. We'd had normal extramural soccer training from half past two to half past four. I'd be there. Then we had extra soccer program that they were running from half past four to six in the evening, and I'd be there. So it was three trainings in one day, five days a week. And you still had soccer tournaments and matches on the weekend. So that's the dedication that I put in there because I believe, no, this was my thing, right? This was my thing. And in music, hours playing in my room, hours playing in the garage, hours, hours listening to people that are much better than me at this because I believed it was my thing. And yes, throughout my life, my parents would tell me, no, Caesar, don't, don't believe that, right? This, this lie that school's not for you. But you know, when parents tell you something as a teenager, it's like, oh yeah, I hear you. And actually took a mentor and a friend of mine to be like, well, Caesar, who told you this? And I was like, well, I, I assessed the situation. And this was the conclusion that school's not for me. And as we were walking through this, as we were journeying through this with this mentor and friend of mine, my perspective on myself started to change. Thank you. Thank you. We love a church like that. Sheesh. My perspective on myself started to change. And as a result, literally my marks going up by 10, 15%. All because now, because I saw myself differently, I acted differently and I did differently, right? And like, like myself, we need to become these peacemakers. But the only way to do so is if we see ourselves differently, right? If we see ourselves as peacemakers, because our efforts to try change ourselves on our own, that doesn't last long. I mean, raise of hands, who's still doing their New Year's resolution? Who lasted more than two, three weeks? See, not many people. Because by our own efforts and our own trying, that doesn't work. But the moment we try and we, the moment we change our perspective on ourselves, 
man, that change becomes lasting. It becomes lasting transformation when we start to see ourselves a little differently, as we, as we see ourselves as peacemakers. And so I don't know if you've seen these like illusion things. Um, they'll have one up now. So at first glance, right, that looks like a duck, right? Depends where you're looking at it. But all of a sudden, when you start to look on this side, it starts to look like, like a rabbit, eh? Because all of a sudden, those become the ears. And it's good to see your faces and you're like, oh. So it's, you see, that becomes the ears and that becomes the face and that little thing becomes the mouth. Do you guys see that? You can go to the next one. At first glance, that looks like a lady looking over in the distance, right? It looks safe, it looks innocent, but all of a sudden, what looks like a scarf, all of a sudden becomes a cigarette. All of a sudden, you start to see a mouth and this massive nose in the middle. Do you guys see that? And then all of a sudden, it's creepy, right? I'll give you guys a moment for this one. It's a little bit tougher. Do you guys see it? And all of a sudden, there's that little cigarette there. There's that big, big nose in the middle. Hey? You guys are still explaining it to each other. This is amazing. <laughs> if you don't see it by now, it's okay. It's okay. It really is. <laughs> so as I was showing you these details, right? As I was pointing out these, these little nuances, all of a sudden, what started happening? Your perspective started to shift. And when I saw this, I started to wonder, what if God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, can begin to do the same, right? The same way as I was pointing out some of these details, God, through his Holy Spirit, starts to point out some of the details, the way he sees you, right? His perspective on you. And that begins to change how you see yourself, as Holy Spirit points out all these little details that God sees as, as peacemaker. And all of a sudden, you can't unsee what you've seen, right? You can't unsee the witch all of a sudden, right? And now you can't unsee like, the same way. You can't unsee how God sees you. So man, my hope for us this morning is as we're journeying together that God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, would begin to reveal details about you, reveal things that God sees about you, the way God sees you as a peacemaker in your home, the way God sees you as a peacemaker in your workplace, the way God sees you as a peacemaker with your friends and with your family. And man, you would never see yourself the same again. Again, your, your perspective of you matters. The way you see you, it matters because it impacts how you act. And yes, there's been, some, there's been some real pain. And there's often some real hurt, right? But, but if we're ever going to see past the wall fence of our hurt and pain, if we never see past it, we will miss the opportunity to sow seeds of peace in the soil that is the hearts of those we are in relationship with. And when we start seeing ourselves as peacemakers, it empowers us to act as peacemakers, and again, think about anybody who pursues a career seriously, right? Think about somebody who loves cooking, right? They'll watch cooking shows, they'll watch MKR or something, and then they'll cook a lot more at home. They'll buy the aprons, they'll buy the knives. Next thing you know, they'll be going to culinary school. Next thing you know, they'll be called chefs, right? And all of a sudden, you can't separate who they are from what they do, 
and you'll notice it. The only thing your friends will ever talk to you about is that thing that you do. Right? The only thing this, this friend will ever talk to you about is about cooking, is about the things that pertain to the kitchen and all those sort of things because they can't separate what you do from who you are. And in the same way, as we pursue peace, as we sow seeds of peace in our relationships, then man, people will start seeing the church as peacemakers. If people won't, won't separate Christians from people of peace, then it would be one and the same thing. That's my hope for us this morning, that our perspective would be so changed so that our actions could also be changed. Turn with me to Galatians 6, verse 8. And again, the verse will be up there. And it says, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit, they'll reap eternal life. So any good farmer knows that what you sow and where you sow it determines what you reap, right? So for example, if I take my anger, if, if I take my frustration, which is the what, and, and I mull over it, I, I sit on it the whole night and I sit on it the whole day thinking about it, playing over those scenarios, I'm sowing it in the flesh, which is the way. And what I reap as a result is destruction in my relationships, right? I take my anger, I take my frustration, and I, ch- and I choose to hold on to it. I, I stay with it. Man, all I'm going to do is reap destruction in my relationships. But if I take the same anger, that same frustration, that same hurt, and I sow it in the spirit, then all of a sudden I'm reaping peace in my relationships. My relationships are a lot healthier. My relationships are more wholesome. So again, what you sow and where you sow determines what you reap. And motive here is so important because relationships hurt. They sting sometimes. But if we're sharing this pain, if we're sharing this hurt to make sure the other person suffers, if I do this with malicious intent that I need you to feel what I'm feeling, if we do it with that intent, we'll be sowing in the flesh. And that means we'll be reaping destruction in our relationships. But man, if we take that same hurt, that same anger, and we sow it in the spirit, if we sow seeds of peace, we reap life. And all of a sudden our relationships are healthy. So our motive here is so important. And as farmers, now that we're all farmers, just in case you didn't know, because we're sowing seeds, right? It's so important that we have tools, right? And every farmer needs good tools. So for those tools, we're going to turn to Paul's letter. uh, Colossians 3, verse 13. Colossians 3, verse 13, it says, Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Now hold on. That sentence offends me, first of all. Because he's making it sound so easy, right? It's like, oh, guys, forgive anyone. Right? Makes it sound so easy, like it's like he's never been in any relationship. You can tell Paul was single when he writes this. Eh? He says, forgive anyone. 
right? It's like, Paul, it's not that easy. Don't make it that easy. But here's why. He says, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And then he says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So here Paul's writing um, a letter to the church of Colossians, and he's giving them tools. He's saying, this is how you guys are going to be able to sow these seeds of peace. And the first tool he gives them is he says, guys, you need to anticipate. Could you guys say anticipate? Glad to see you still awake. So read again with me the first line. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. Right? So he's saying anticipate. He's saying, guys, remember all the way in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned and they introduced sin into the world? He says, people are broken. You're broken. I'm broken. This world is broken. And so Paul's saying, guys, you're going to need to anticipate people's brokenness. You're going to need to make room for people's faults in your relationships. Right? And I don't know if parents still have sleepovers. No? Or if families comes over or your son's having a sleepover, your daughter's having a sleepover, what do you do? You start to prepare the house. You make sure that the room is clean, that they're going to sleep in, the, the bed sheets are clean, and everything is all set and ready. You make sure there's an extra piece of chicken for dinner that night, right? You make sure that the, the frames of your, your family pictures are nice and neat, so that everyone sees you guys are a loving family, you guys are always happy, you don't fight. And then you have your Jesus pictures all over the wall and on the counters, and you have your fine china out, and so they know that you guys are spiritual and you love Jesus and you pray together all the time. You make sure everything's perfect, right? You make sure everything's so ready. What are you doing that moment? You're anticipating somebody coming. You're anticipating a guest. You're anticipating a visitor. So you then make room. So in the same way, Paul's saying, guys, you need to anticipate. You need to make room that, hey, he or she is not going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm broken. So I'm anticipating the brokenness. I'm anticipating the hurt. And man, it's so important because if, if we don't anticipate, what starts happening is that we start having unhealthy expectations. And unhealthy expectations make it impossible to sow seeds of peace. Unhealthy expectations make it impossible to sow seeds of peace. So it's so important that, man, we make room, we anticipate the brokenness of these people, of our friends, of our family, of ourselves. The second tool, Paul says forgive, right? Remember, he says, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So the tool Paul's giving us, he's saying forgive, but first realize that you've been forgiven. Right? In order for you to forgive, you need to first realize that you have already been forgiven. And man, the issue here is that we often struggle with forgiveness because we feel like, we actually struggle with it because we haven't sat down and received God's forgiveness for ourselves. We haven't taken the time to really sit in the truth, in the freedom, and how free that forgiveness is. We haven't sat down and really taken the time to look at what God has forgiven us of and how he's forgiven us. He doesn't hold us hostage to, to expectation. He doesn't hold us hostage and say, man, I'm disappointed in you. He doesn't give us the silent treatment. No, he freely forgives us. And a lot of us, we struggle to forgive because we don't have that forgiveness to begin with. We haven't yet received forgiveness from God. So Paul is inviting you, he's saying, guys, 
please just realize how God has forgiven you. Just sit in that truth, you and Jesus, and just realize that, man, you have been set free. You have been set free, and all you needed to do is put your trust in him. He didn't wait for you and say, I need for him to apologize. And the day you, you came and finally repented and say, oh, too late now, sorry. God forgave us. And when we see that forgiveness for ourselves, man, we can't help but to forgive. And that's what Paul is, he's so encouraging us. He's saying, guys, please just receive God's forgiveness because you're going to need to give that out in your relationships because how can you give something you don't have? And oftentimes we feel like forgiveness is the opposite of justice, right? We feel like because I've forgiven, I can't now pursue justice. And this person, they're going to get away with everything, right? They, nothing's, they're not going to be held accountable. They hurt me and nothing's going to happen. I must just forgive. And that's not true. Forgiveness is not the opposite of justice. In fact, Timothy Keller puts it this way. He says, forgiveness is not the opposite of justice. In fact, it is the precondition of justice. If you don't forgive before you seek justice, you won't be seeking justice. You'll be seeking vengeance. And vengeance is a motivation that leads to access. And it eats you alive while you're going after it. So your problem is that you're going to want more than what is fair, right? You're going to want more than what is fair. And you're going to want the person to actually suffer. And he says, justice is what you do for others, for people's sake, for the sake of God, and even for the perpetrator's sake. Whereas vengeance is all about you. And man, this morning, I hope you don't feel like because you're needing to forgive that there won't be any justice for the hurt and for the pain. Because some of the pain is, is real. It's more than just a dog barking next door. It's real. It's personal. It's painful. But man, before we can pursue true justice, we need to first forgive. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's going to be vengeance. The last tool Paul gives us, the first one was to anticipate. The second one was to forgive, but first be forgiven. This last one, he says, he says, above all, this is the point where a preacher says, if you forget anything that I've ever said, remember this point. So that's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. In relationships over some time, it's so easy to wear bitterness. It's so easy to wear anger. I mean, it's so easy to wear the list of the wrong things that this person has done. It's so easy to wear frustration and disappointment. But Paul's challenging us here this morning, saying, guys, let's wear love. Let's put on love. The interesting thing about this metaphor is like with clothes, often the first thing that we notice is what someone has on, right? And in the same way, if someone's wearing bitterness and anger. It's almost the first thing that we, we can see that within the first few moments of conversation with the person. But if someone's wearing love, man, we realize that love is inviting. Love is so inviting. Whereas anger and bitterness and, and frustration, it takes away from relationship. And love adds to relationship. So Paul's saying, guys, as you anticipate, as you forgive and first receive forgiveness, man, it's so important that you put on love. As a peacemaker, 
A peacemaker has a certain swagger, right? Because you're a peacemaker, so you wear certain things. So Paul's saying, guys, it's now as, as a peacemaker, you need to put on love. That's what you're going to be wearing. That's what people are going to be seeing you in, is love as a peacemaker. So again, we need to anticipate people's brokenness. Forgive, but first receive God's forgiveness, and then wear love. Again, as, as a kid growing up, my, my dad would have these moments where he, he, he teaches me stuff. And he, when, when our dad says something profound, he'd often, he'd often stand back a little bit. And I'm going to do his accent. He's actually in the room right now. So I'm going to try his accent. And when he, when he, he, he stared at me, he says, he goes, Brasizu. That's what he calls me. He goes, Brasizu, you need to respect everybody. No matter what they do, you need to respect everybody. And he goes, because he's acknowledging himself and his wisdom. He's like, yes. And I was like, yes, dad. <laughs> I nailed it. Huh? So that's what he taught me. And this had a profound impact on my life. Because the school I went to, um, I, would, I would greet everyone, right? I'd greet the security guards. I'd, I'd greet the, the, the ladies cleaning. Because I was taught, yes, you need to respect everybody. So the way I show respect is you greet people who are older than you, right? A bit older than you. So that's what I did. I greeted everybody because I'm, I'm showing respect. That's what my dad told me to do. And funny enough, remember I, I told you I was, my sister was the responsible one? I was the one that lost their jersey every two weeks. That was me. Every two weeks. School jerseys are expensive. My mom's nodding a bit too much right now. The school jerseys are expensive, right? And I was that one to lose, to lose their jersey every now and again. I'd I'd lock my, my, my school bag would be locked in the classroom and I'd, I'd, I need sports because remember, soccer was my thing, right? So I need my sports clothes and all that sort of stuff. And lo and behold, because over time there's been these seeds of peace being sown with these people, whether they were cleaners, whether they were teachers, whether they were security guards, I remember knocking on the class, hoping the teacher would be there and the teacher wasn't. And this uncleaning lady called me by name and said, hey, Caesar, would you, would you like this key so you can open the classroom. I know you need something. I was like, yes, thank you. And I opened it. And that happened every few months, right? Where, oh, I forgot my bag in her class again. And I'd go and they'd give me the key. And even to this day, because I don't stay home as often, if I need something from my parents, those same security guards all the way from high school, I can still, my parents would leave things with them and I can come pick them up whenever and wherever because there's such relationship. All I did was greet. All I did was sow seeds of peace. And a few years ago, I was in spa and we were just buying some stuff and, um, at the bakery section. And it so happened that one of the ladies who were um, cleaning at the school, she worked at spa now. And I ordered some, some stuff from the bakery and she gave me a whole box of donuts. And the church said, amen. That was so some good donuts, man. And God said, taste and see that he is good that day. I was able to taste and see very clearly. And all of that, simply because seeds of peace were sown. And right at the beginning, it wasn't because I knew one day I'd need a favor, no. It was out of a genuine place of respect, out of a genuine place of love. And man, I know it's such a lighthearted story, but our relationships would look so different, so different, if we just started sowing these seeds of peace. If man, if my expectations stopped being those like unhealthy expectations, I started anticipating that man, he or she... Man, they're broken in this area. They need love. They need grace. And I was, I was spending so much time with Jesus. I was able to receive his forgiveness. And man, now it's easy for me to forgive others. If now all of a sudden I wear love, 
I promise you, people will pick it up. They'll be like, hey, mom, dad, or hey, sister, you used to be angry when I did this, but now it doesn't seem to bother you anymore. What's changed? What's different? Man, this used to really get under your skin, but I, know, I noticed it doesn't anymore. And man, right there and then, all of a sudden, you have influence over that person to share Jesus. All of a sudden, you have, you have a discipleship moment with people you never had before. Only because we've learned to be seed sowers of peace. We become peacemakers. We become people who value peace. Man, and you'll soon notice that there's certain things that you, you can't control. Actually, there's a lot of things that you can't control. Number one, ESCOM. Number two, the government. Number three, your annoying coworker who won't stop chewing gum, right? All these little things that we can't control. We can't control people's responses. But what we can do is be intentional about sowing peace. That's the one thing. And whether you know it or not, you are a seed sower. Whether you know it or not, in every conversation, with every thought, you're sowing seeds. They might be bad ones, but you're sowing nonetheless. And you will reap those things that you sow. With our words, with our thoughts, with our actions. We're sowing seeds. So you can either do it intentionally or unintentionally. But man, this morning I want to invite you to intentionally sow seeds of peace this year. To be intentional peacemakers. And God says, Jesus in Matthew 5 verse 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers. So we can either sow in the flesh. And man, continue having those imaginary arguments that we always win, right? We can either do that and sow in the flesh and reap destruction. Or we can be peacemakers and sow in the spirit. And sow seeds of peace instead. And experience what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 5 when he said, blessed are the peacemakers. We can experience that blessing as peacemakers. So this morning, the question maybe is, who do you need to extend forgiveness to? Or maybe who do you need to ask forgiveness from? Who do you maybe need to call and sit down with and be like, hey, this is where I was hurt and I don't know how to pursue this person. I don't know how to, how to rectify and restore this relationship. Who do you need to call and sit down with so they can minister Jesus to you? And as you receive forgiveness, as you learn what it means to be forgiven and you can extend that same forgiveness. Guys, it's so important, man, to realize we are broken people. You're a broken person. To realize that God has so forgiven you. And to realize that man, nothing looks better on you than when you wear love. Nothing looks better than that. You walk differently, you look differently, you smile differently. Small things don't bother you anymore. That's what happens when you wear love. And so if God has been stirring some stuff in um, this morning with you, and you'd like prayer, you like ministry in that way, then our prayer team will be available up front. You can just sit um, on these first few rows. And somebody will come find you. I really feel like we shouldn't miss out on this opportunity for relational restoration. Man, that I haven't been good. My responses haven't been great. 
it's so easy to get upset. And you, you're almost afraid to try and, and be this peacemaker. But again, it's not about your effort. It's about Christ in you. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than the one that is in the world. Church, let's trust that. That the God in you can make a new creation and restore those relationships. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just an opportunity to, to share your word. And Lord, you know exactly where we're at in our relationships. And Lord, so I, I ask that you would you'd meet us where we are. Thank you that you're not a God that demands us to come up to him and sacrifice instead, but you're a God that came down to us and sacrificed. So God, thank you that you come down to where we're at, to pull us up to where you are. So God, would you come down to our relationships? Would you come down to the way we see ourselves? And Holy Spirit, would you continue to do a work in us? In your name we pray. Amen.